All right, and we are live. Welcome to the Stage of Greatness. I am Danielle Francine, and I have with me my friend Paul Altero. Welcome. He is the co-founder of Bubacoo's Burritos. For those of you that don't know what that is, I'm sure one is coming to a town near you very soon. <laughs> Ideally, just, right? Yeah, he just opened his 100th location. So I am so excited to have you on here. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, so let's let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about all the stuff and things. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. So yeah, I mean, I have enjoyed watching your journey for years. And, you know, before we started recording, Paul had said 15 years. I'm like, 15 years, man. I mean, it, it, it to me, it seems like a whirlwind. So I'm curious to, you know, start to hear your thoughts on what it's been like and how you got started. Um, but I mean, your success is just, it's amazing to see. And it, it, yeah, I know it inspires so many people and I can't wait to really like get in there and get into your mind and your world and hear about that. That's really kind. And I'm, that's very flattering. And I really appreciate that. It's been a 15 year overnight success. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So how, how did you, like, how did you get started? How did this all come about? Wow. Well, that's a, that's like, uh, that's a big one. Um, it's like opening up and unzipping the massive suitcase and, and starting to unpack it. Uh, honestly, I, I think I've always been an ambitious guy since I was a kid, you know, even a teenager, always like work and always like hustling. Um, didn't really fall into the burrito thing until I visited my cousin in Washington, D.C. when I was in college and ran into a concept called Brothers Burritos, which was like a modern day Chipotle now, Qdoba, uh, Bubacoo's Burritos. But it was a fast, casual burrito chain where you made your own burrito and you're out the door. But very simplified. It was just a couple of, you know, protein choices and I just thought it was the greatest thing because we had nothing like that. Obviously, we grew up on the same street. So, you know, we didn't have any burrito joints around us except for maybe Taco Bell. Right. This was like a level up. This was a step up. And I really liked that. So it was always on my mind, you know, but I didn't grow up with, to be quite honest, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. My parents didn't have a lot of money. I was raised by a single mom. I was actually born and raised in Newark, New Jersey before I moved to Breck. Hmm. So uh, Newark, born, born and raised. And uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, went to Brick. Uh, my mom had met my stepdad. Things got financially a little bit better uh, until he passed away when I was around 19, mm. 20 years old. It was 20 years old, sorry. Mm. And um, we had fallen back on hard times. So kind of got through the college thing, OCC. Uh, found my way into University of Delaware again, which is where, when I was attending Delaware, visited my cousin in DC, fell upon the burrito thing, and uh, was kind of floundering. Like, what do I do? You know, what do I do with my life? And uh, like everybody else, you just interview when you get out of college and you get a job. So I was always in for food service since I was about nine years old, working in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. And um, just worked for companies like Pizzeria Uno out of school. Then I went to work for a concept called, uh, well, it was a mom and pop in, in town. Can't even remember the name of it off the top of my head. And then I went to work for Nordstrom with, in, in their, their retail clothing store, Nordstrom and Freehold. Yeah. And I worked uh, in their restaurant division. So I ran their cafe and their espresso bar. Okay. And then uh, eventually got picked up by a company called Johnny Rockets. Mm -hmm. so Johnny Rockets where they you know sing and dance and twirl the straws at least they used to and I was uh, it was a great company for me I worked there 10 years I was promoted about I'd say about four or five times within that company mm -hmm. and uh, that really gave me a lot of confidence to go out and do my own thing uh, after the 10 years I was with the Johnny Rockets brand 
But to make a long story long, that was really on my mind was I think it would be great to introduce like this really cool burrito concept, you know, to suburbia. And it's like midway through my Johnny Rockets years, I had figured out that Chipotle was born and bred. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing exactly what I want to do. So that kind of lit a fire under me and that ignited some passion for me to start thinking about doing something, um, you know, sooner than later. Awesome. So you, so you had that on your mind and really in your heart for years and years and years Years. before you even like acted on it. That's right. Yeah. It was probably around 94 when I was introduced to that brand and like you said, I, I I grabbed hold of it and I didn't I didn't execute or start the business until 2008. So, you know, wow. 14 years is a long time to wait you know, for something you're really excited about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you when you had that fire lit under your ass, when you started seeing the Chipotle's pop up. Yeah. What did you like? What did you encounter within yourself in moving forward? Did you have to work through like self doubt, limiting beliefs that you had, those internal struggles? Did you experience mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Well, we obviously uh, chatted briefly about that, but I'll I'll elaborate. Really, you know, I was at Delaware, and again, I I always refer to myself as a kid who really didn't belong in Delaware. You know, I, I didn't dress like a Delaware student. I didn't have the 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 money that a lot of the parents had that sent their kids there. I had put myself through school because, again, my father had passed. Um, and the only way I was going to get through college was paying for it myself. So I was attending class and just, again, floundering, you know, just like a C student, not very academic, uh, partying a lot, having a good time with the guys. Keith, you know, who was down the block, you know, one of my best friends, especially at the time, uh, you know, he went there and uh, again, I got accepted into their program. Don't ask me how, especially with the grades that I had. But uh, at the end of the day, they accepted me into their program. I got the financial aid. uh, And again, I was having a good time and uh, things were going well. And I had really crossed paths with a professor. Uh, it, It was literally a godsend i know it's going to sound really strange but this teacher saw something in me even though it was goofing around in class and and never taking things too serious and surely not getting good grades the guy saw something in me started taking a lot of interest in me would talk to me after class wanted to get to know me uh, want to understand me um and we became friends me and the professor and he was he's you know to this day i'm still friends with the guy but he he really wanted me, he was pushing me up to the plate to do something uh, in the program, which was going to be hospitality club president. Okay. okay. Now, I didn't have an ounce of leadership in my bones to be president of the Glee Club, never mind this, <laughs> this highly touted club in Delaware, which is the hospitality club. It sounds a little nerdy, but... It was kind of a big deal if you're a part of the program, you know? Uh-huh. He goes, Paulie, he called me Paulie. A lot of my friends call me Paulie. He said, Paulie, why don't you try out for hospitality club president? And I was just like, whoa, it was like, <laughs> no way. You know, I, I, there's no way I would do that. Not in a thousand years. The, the, the thought of public speaking, the thought of leadership, the fact that I didn't think I fit in. I mean, the whole nine, it just wasn't going to be for me, you know? Yeah. And he would recurringly asked me over and over again you know to to apply for the position you know and I was just like I I don't know and and this is like weeks and weeks and weeks of of him asking me to uh you know to at least throw my hat in the ring and give it a shot and I would sleep on it at night and I'd be like I don't think so, man. It's just, I'm too, I was afraid of it. I just, it's just something I couldn't do. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know, after, I don't know, I would say probably about a month of him talking to me and, and, and me giving him every reason why I can't do it. um, 
I decided to try it. <laughs> so I, I I went for the I, I I put my ballot in. I had to actually uh, debate with somebody else in front of like a large group of people, and I remember sweating. I was I was I just remember sweating profusely, and literally like wiping my my forehead with my arm. And uh, I I got through the debate, and I don't know at the end of it, I was elected hospitality club president. Nice. It was very small, right? Very trivial, very small. But it was really the the foothold into bigger things beyond that. And the words he kept asking me, and 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 I, I apologize for not referencing them, but he used to always say to me, Paulie, why can't you? Paulie, why can't you? He would always use the words, why can't you? And it, there, I, I still to this day believe it's a very, very powerful set of words is why can't you? Because we you know we question ourselves a lot, right? I mean, yeah. again, we were referencing the fact that you're in great shape, and uh, you know you've worked very hard at that. But it's a decision, and some people don't believe they can get into great shape. They just, I don't know if I have it in me. I don't know if I'm going to dedicate the energy. I don't know if you know my body can hold up. I don't know if whatever. You know, there's a hundred reasons why people can make excuses for things. But you know, I just made a decision that I was going to do it. And I committed to it and I became president. I don't know if I was the best president, but I, I, mm -hmm. I did my best. And uh, that just really, honestly, that was like the genesis of pretty much every move I made going forward till now mm. was that was, was the fact that I realized that I could do anything I put my mind to. Mm. Honestly. Yeah. So, I powerful yeah and so i've i have not heard anybody ask that question why can't you why can't you yeah and so have you ever asked yourself that question and had reasons why you could not you know honestly i think since uh again what you know when i started working and i started getting promoted and uh especially you know we were chatting again before the the uh the the call here um i had gotten hired by a company called johnny rockets which was a small emerging brand at the time in the 90s and it was just a perfect platform for me i came on board uh it was the type of thing where they were growing quickly uh there was just a lot of room for promotion and uh, I just, I don't, my confidence level just continued to build and build and build. And uh, as I worked hard and got promoted, my confidence went up. As I worked hard and got promoted, my confidence went up. And before I knew it, I went from being a store manager to running the entire East Coast for the company. Oh, wow. You know, making great money. You know, I was probably making, a, with bonus, a quarter of a million dollars a year in my early 30s. And this is now... I'm dating myself, but this is um, mid, mid, probably 2005, okay. you know, where the dollar went a little further, you right. know? Right. So, you know, I don't know. Again, it just, it was just one of those things where I just realized that as human beings, we're so hardwired, you know, I had a dad who was a, a, a train conductor, a mom who was a secretary. And, you know, when you grew up in that environment, and again, they did the best they could. I have nothing against my parents' lack of entrepreneurship, <laughs> but um, we're a byproduct of of the way we're raised and the environments we're raised in. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had parents that were entrepreneurs, more than likely, you'd probably be an entrepreneur. Right. So I think that that jump, that leap from, you know, again, from not being entrepreneurial to being an entrepreneur it's, it's a really, it's a really big commitment, you know, but understand that, you know, if you really want to do it, you should do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, you really should. But I, I would preface it also by saying that make sure you have your ducks in a row, right? Make sure that you've got some, some good worldly experience working, make sure that you have obviously money saved in the bank uh, make sure that you're disciplined. You can't just go open a business, right? I mean, right. there's a couple of steps you need to take before you kind of take the leap. But 
you know, there's so many people that get blocked up that do get there. You know, they, they, I think third, I think late twenties, thirties is a great time to open up a business for anybody. Cause I think, you know, maturity is set in, um, a lot of things I just spoke about, you know, are in place. Uh, and I think, you know, by early to mid thirties is a great time to really launch a business, you know? Yeah. Um, but so many people, that's where they stop, right? They, they start to fight themselves. They start to overanalyze. They start to get uh, what what you call uh, I think it's what uh, paralysis through analysis. Yep. Um, you see a lot of that, you know. And I and I know so many talented people that have never really made that that leap into um, their own business because of those issues, you know. And uh, that's a total mental thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, that's the easiest thing to do is just let fear keep you where you are. Of course. Right. Comfortable. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So after you, after you opened your first location, because I mean, so you have a hundred now. 102 as of today in Miramar. Oh. So that, if you take a ride down to Miramar, you're not that far. We opened up 102 today, but yeah. Amazing. Uh, so far, so good. Okay, awesome. Your question. So 100 stores. Yeah, so 100 stores. So how yeah. did it go from, okay, I'm, I have this idea. I'm going to call it Bubba Coos Burritos. I have my store. And how did it become a, because it's a franchise, right? Yeah. yeah how, yeah. how did that happen? Well, you know, there's a lot of conversation that probably needs to be built in about my partner because my partner was a huge, it is and remains a huge part of it and has been a huge part of it. But it was always about great people. He was somebody that worked for me for the better part of the entire time I was at Johnny Rockets. Uh, but he was more of like a an assistant for me, you know? Uh, and then he kind of grew into his own man. And uh, now he's a full-fledged, you know, equal partner you know so and he's a great guy and he, he he's again he he, does, he works hard and again we wouldn't be where we are without him his name is bill hart by the way uh in fact i spent the entire last two days with him in orlando uh just meeting and you know just whatever just powwowing about the business but to answer your question you know how do you go from one store to 100 you know we i went into this and i think he did too uh, for the most part I, I didn't go into this to own one store. I never wanted to own one. I always wanted to own a franchise system. You know, that was my thing. I wanted to own a complete franchise system. I had worked so many years at Johnny Rockets and worked with franchisees and admired them so much. Like, I, in fact, initially, I wanted to be a franchisee. I didn't want to be, I, I never had visions of being a franchisor but I wanted to be a franchisee. I just, I thought they had spirit. I liked their lifestyle. They were exciting. They were fun to be around. They were always a good time, you know, the franchisees. And I said, man, I want to be a franchisee when, when I, you know, when I get past this. And then after working with them for so long, and then really, again, realizing how ordinary they were and are, I said, you know what? I could do one better. I could be the franchisor, you know, I can actually have a franchise system. Hence Bubba Coos number one opened up and I pretty much just said to my partner, Bill, man, like we got to build this thing into something really big and make this a system. Um, because it was met with, I would say some really strong favorability, you know, the, the brand. Mm -hmm. So Store number one open, store number two open, that was Manasquan. Store number three, Brick, hit a little bit of a wall in Brick. It was just a bad location, lesson learned, hit Tom's River, that did well. And then it just kind of spiraled. And uh, I think we got up to about eight or nine stores before we decided, let's, let's make this a franchise model. You know, let's really package it and let's sell it as a, as a franchise model. And it took literally about two years to get our first franchise boarded and successful before we really started to get any type of momentum. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And so what was that like for you when that was happening and when that completion of your first franchisee was open and successful and now you have this success, like internally and also life? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth and, and, and this, this the, you know, I never consider myself successful even till today. It's a true story. And I don't say that to be like quintessential or humble. I'm not overly humble, but I will tell you that I don't consider myself overly successful. I consider myself semi-successful. That I that I'll I'll agree to. I'll agree to that. <clears throat> but you know, success for me is getting to maybe a couple hundred more units, selling the business for the right price, and then doing things that I think that are far-reaching and beneficial to others for me is self-actualization. That's true success. Mm. So I struggle a little bit with the word success. Honestly, I do. But I want to go back to your question though, because you said, so, so just so I understand, you said, um, uh, did did you want to know more about how um, it it spiraled into opening up more franchises or what exactly um so like so when that time when that was your present time and you that right. first franchise opened and yeah it was successful and then it started to spiral into more what was that like for you like emotionally did your life change well it, it it wasn't easy. It was very difficult. So even after the first one, it's not like everybody flocked in and said, I want to franchise your brand. In fact, it was extremely disappointing. Uh, we had one and and I think the second one came along six months later. It was, it was like pulling teeth in the beginning because people don't really subscribe to something that's not tested and trusted. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we had on our side was the fact that we had eight or nine restaurants that I had built previously and said, wow, these guys had enough stores to really uh, have a sample of stores or a core of stores that showed that they were doing well. Mm-hmm. And that was big. And I, I definitely would recommend that if anybody's in the franchise business to not open up one or two stores and say, I'm going to franchise, but to open up a core of stores and say, this is my sample. And this is, you know, this is how it's doing well. Um, but again, it took probably about two or three years to really gain any real momentum. In fact, uh, we probably started franchising about, I'm going to say about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And true velocity came in the last two or three years. Okay. I mean, velocity, where we're growing at like 40% year over year, which is tremendous. We opened up, I think, close to 40 stores last year. Wow. So that was a lot. So, you know, we have a hundred stores, but consider that 40 of the hundred were opened in one year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hardcore right now. And it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, um, um, out of control or not tamed, but it, you could see how it could quickly get there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it sounds like, or what I, what I'm kind of hearing in between the words, (laughs) there was a point where, you know, during the, okay, now this is a franchise and it was moving slow and it was kind of like pulling teeth. Oh, totally. Yeah. Do you ever get to a point where, you know, you had thoughts of like, Oh, this is, this is hard. Like I, well, yeah on the towel maybe this isn't for me I should try something else i think you just said it this is hard i was like i realized that i i had the impression that being the franchisor that this would be easy right because you formed the concept you train the franchise owners how to do it they do it and they pay you lots of money <laughs> that's what i would think <laughs> That's what most people in the world would think, but it's really nothing like that Uh, because, you know, to train them, to train these people well is difficult uh, to make sure they come out of training really adjusted and and knowing the brand is difficult. Uh, All of the steps involved are difficult. Finding the site, 
approving the site, getting involved in construction, helping them get through construction, uh, making sure that, again, that they're trained up, at least from a management standpoint, that you help them to get trained from uh, an employee standpoint, uh, making sure that uh, the opening goes well and that they could sustain operating their location. Some of them are really busy and you're kind of taking these people that have trained for five weeks, you're sticking them into a busy store. The trainers are there to help them, but then we back out and they're just going to, they get inhaled sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's when the problems start, you know, and uh, it just, it's, it, it can get away from you really, really quickly is what I've learned. And Again, we're just, I'm just referencing like one franchisee. Just imagine again, having 50, you know, and let's just say the rate of uh, their level of competency is average to so-so. Now you're constantly trying to keep them up to speed. You're supporting them constantly. It's a lot of support. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, you know, answering the phone. It's a lot of visitations. In some cases, it's, it's sending out people to actually continue to help them and train them. But, you know, we're also limited on resources, right? We're opening up so many stores. We only have so many people. So it's, 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 it's a wild ride is all I can tell you. It's really a lot more difficult than it looks. Everybody just thinks it's glitz and glamour and uh, you're making lots of money and everything's great. When in reality, it's not always the case. It's constant reinvestment. You're, we're always hiring new corporate people to be able to, su to support the system, to support the processes, to support the, the franchise owners. So it's, it's always like, you know, a, a step back to get two steps forward. It feels like that's constantly the case. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's what I would call good business. Mm. Mm. Okay. So two steps forward or was it no two steps back to get it's one a step, step back forward. to get two steps forward. Yeah. Okay. So that right there has to require a strong mindset. Yes. Right. So, I mean, just really everything that you've done since you even opened your first store until now, the growth that you've experienced, everything that is required of you hiring these new people, training the corporate people to help the franchisees. What is your, if you could like give us a description of your daily mindset, are there things that you do to like prime yourself for what you're dealing with, what you're going through when you take those steps back and those steps forward? Sure. Well, I mean, for me personally, it's strategy. It's always strategy, you know, so you're always thinking, you know, I spend countless hours thinking, you know, there's a lot of action in there. Cause I'm the opposite that you see, I travel a lot. I, I try to visit stores I try to show face. I think all those things are really important, especially being a founder. But I spend a tremendous amount of time thinking and exhausting myself on how to do things better, uh, how to support better. And that's critical. Um, you know, our main mission, it's not even, you know, some people almost have the impression that they work for us. It's really not the case. We work for them. Right. You know, they pay us in return, but it's it's like a giant entity that's working for the system, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it, again, it, it's difficult because there's so many, there's so many holes, you know, there's so many buckets that we need to tend to, mm -hmm. you know, if it's not facilities, it's training. If it's not training, it's an HR issue. If it's not an HR issue. It's, it's a, a guest, guest complaint issue, or it's, it could be, again, it could be, it's one of so many different things, you know, it's, <laughs> It's kind of, it, 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 it is, I'd have to say straight up at times it's, it, it's pretty exhausting. It is. And you just have to just wake up every morning, you know, look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to have a great day today. I'm going to support the heck out of my franchise community. I'm going to, I'm going to support my team and we're going to do it again today. But it's like seven days a week. There's no days off Yeah. when I'm on vacation and we're working. It's there's, yeah. there's no, there's no off button. You know, especially 
you know, at a hundred plus stores, there's no off button. There's never an off button. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you ever have moments where you, you question yourself or what you're doing? Like, do I, do I still want to do this? <laughs> well, you know, again, there's a commitment there, right? You know, so, you know, when the franchise partners committed to, to me or to, to my company, just keep in mind that, you know, uh, I committed to them, right? So, you know, I always keep that in mind that, you know, there's there's always a commitment in return. So I feel really strongly about that. You know, one thing I am is I'm loyal and I'm committed. So I'm committed to the brand. And if anybody knows anything, you know, uh, about relationships or, 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 I'll use marriage as an example, you know, sometimes it's a commitment. Sometimes, you know, it's, it, it's not great, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, you have to find a way to, to make it work. And it's, I'm, it almost feels like, you know, with franchise partners, it's a little bit like a marriage. You, you know, you're, you're committed to each other. You have to see it through. There's reasons why you have to see it through. Um, the fruit of the business are like your children and uh, you do whatever it takes to keep it going. And that's kind of almost my mentality, you know, with my, with my franchisee. So for now, yeah, it has its frustrations. Yeah. There's times I'm like, man, I I'd, I'd love to be done with this. I'm not going to lie. If you're asking me to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you. But at the end of the day, I'm still enjoying it. I still like it. Uh, I still want to see it through. I have goals. I have certain specific goals outlined for myself and I'm not going to relent until I hit those goals. Yeah. Awesome. And so in our conversation before we started recording, we talked about, you know, what's on the horizon for you. And so before you answer that question, my perception of Bubba Coos, how it has grown is basically a vehicle for you for what is on the horizon for your end goal, your end game. Well, I mean, for me, it's 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 getting it to a certain valuation, honestly, you know, on what I feel like I need or my family needs uh, to walk away. That's, you know, that's the selfish answer. Uh, but also to make sure that, again, that this company is passed to somebody or a group that's going to take great care of the brand, uh, mm -hmm. continue to support the franchise community, mm -hmm. uh, somebody that, again, a, a brand that I can see myself in 15 years walking through doors and, and, and eating there with my, you know, with my kids or maybe their kids mm -hmm. and, and, and something that's going to be sustainable. I truly hate to see this thing get bought up by just anybody and dissolve or yeah. just fail. You know, because it goes back to what I said earlier, you know, it's about commitment too, right? You know, we have commitments to franchise partners that are relying on this thing doing well, right. you know, and I, I just can't, it's not in me as a person uh, to see this not go all the way. Yeah, very important for you. Yeah, absolutely. So when that time does come and you do find the right person or the right group, to buy it from you do you have things that you would like to do or are you just gonna lay back in the shade and relax no i'm definitely not one to relax i'm not a relaxing type but I, it would be nice to take a little time off at some point <laughs> yeah um, maybe just a little time just a little bit like know. a week <laughs> pretty much that's probably what would happen right? Um, honestly, uh, like I was saying, uh, a little bit when we were discussing it, I just, there's other things I'd like to do, you know, that are a little bit more, um, pay it forward or philanthropic. I'd love to teach, uh, right now I'm working on a, a graduate degree, uh, at Syracuse university. I'm pretty close to graduating. In fact, I'm about a class away, but, um, I'd like to get the credentials to be able to teach, you know, and basically, you know, inject my knowledge and, and my experiences 
to uh, younger people that, again, might have been like myself in college who were suffering with doubt or maybe some low self-esteem and uh, and see if I can ignite them a little bit. That would be really exciting for me. Okay. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's not to say money isn't nice, but it's it's certainly not everything. You know, it's not everything. Right. Right. Money doesn't give you that feeling of no. what you want to do, right? Sure. Helping those people that were like you and seeing their success. Agreed. Yeah. It's it's true. You know, it's it's like when you give somebody something, you know, um, when you help somebody, you know, you'll always remember that and they always remember that. You know what I mean? And that's a really cool thing, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think doing more public speaking, I think uh, more uh, teaching, um, just more more motivating, I, I think, again, would be something that really would fulfill me at this point in my life, you know, mm-hmm. at the old age of 50 years old. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a good time to give back. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been all, it's been all me, me, me. And, and it's been, it's funny because, you know, you start to amass things and you have a nice house and you have a nice car, nice cars and things, but you, you ultimately learn that those things definitely will never bring you true happiness, you know? So um give me a, a a young life to inspire and change his or her life and to me that's worth 10 times what any car or or thing will give you yeah yeah absolutely so for those young people that are listening to the show right and thinking like oh my god paul wow like that's amazing and so maybe if he did it i could do it of course why can't what- you there's the question why can't you and I'm also going to start asking myself that question too (laughs) so what would you like what is do you have a message that you would want to give to them a blanket statement a story like how would you what's your best motivation or inspiration for those people well I think you know it's it's a lot of what we just talked about, but I think at the end of the day, it's really asking yourself, why can't you do certain things? You know, if you're hitting a roadblock and you're saying that you can't do it, I think you need to really revisit that and ask yourself why you can't, you know? And then if, unless again, you for certain can convince yourself that you can't do it, which I don't know, I I would still doubt, um, then don't do it. But otherwise, you know, think of more reasons why you should do it. And I think that'll be very powerful for you. Mm-hmm. And really, it's very liberating. You know, one thing I've also learned too, after opening up the first store, it's like, you know, when you buy a house or, you know, even when you when you buy a house for the first time, it's a very nerve wracking process, right? You're it's, it's very scary. You're signing this, this note for 30 years, you're going to pay this loan back. And it, it's a big deal. And I, I kind of it's it's kind of the same except on steroids when you open up a business because there's also obviously in some cases leases attached to it and there's a lot of financing attached to it. But what I've learned too is once you do it the first time, it gets easier. Mm-hmm. So like when you buy your house for the first time, you're scared when you're signing the papers. Second time, you're a little less scared, you know. So you're always a little nervous, but it's always a cool time, you know, and I, I just find that it's the same with opening up a business. You open up your first business and you do well, you know what, it's going to give you the motivation to open up the second business and the third business and the fourth business. And, you know, I don't think everybody has to achieve 100 restaurants or 200 restaurants or, you know, or 35,000 restaurants to be successful in their own mind. I think that's all up to the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, if opening up a restaurant that, you know, that you've always wanted to open is something exciting for you. And that's enough for you. I think that's wonderful. I think yep. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So really just feel the fear and do it anyway. That's right. Take the first if step. Uncomfort- if it's uncomfortable, do it. Hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've come to learn a lot in my life as I've gotten older that things that are uncomfortable are generally great for you. You yes. know? Yeah, Totally. 
yeah, when we stay comfortable, we stay basically exactly where we are. Exactly. Idle. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah boring. <laughs> Completely boring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. Great advice. I love that. And yeah. easy. I mean, so in everything really that we've, we've spoke about all of the things that you have done really comes down to your mindset, your commitment, right. And right. consistently moving forward. And how can I do this better? So here, here, right. Focus and go. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love well, it. I mean, and you know, I, I almost wish you would have jumped, you, you could jump in on the conversation because you know, as well as I do, right. I mean, you know, you don't become as again, as fit as you are without all the things we just talked about. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I think really, and the reason why I love to have all different people on the show, different businesses, different levels of successes, because really it is all the same. If you have success in one area of your life, you can have success in every area. Many That's of right. us just don't connect those dots. And it's like, well, I have a phenomenal body. Yes, because I'm committed to doing the things to make sure that that happens. If I decided, hey, I also want to open a restaurant franchise, there's probably like some learning that I need to do because I'm not familiar with it. And if I committed to that, like I commit to my body, my fitness, I know that I can do it. Right. Agreed. So it's like, Agreed. yes, we have success in one area in a large way. Just take that mindset, take that commitment and apply it to where you want to see those results. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love that you want to, that you want to teach and that you're in school. Like you, you have all of this going on. You're like, oh yeah. And I have one class left to graduate. That's been rough. I, I'd be a liar to say that the graduate school, A, at, you know, at my business level, B, with nine and 10 year old girls and a marriage and C, you know, um, just even at my age, it's been, it's been, you know, in the travel schedule, it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. It's really but you know again it, it became a commitment and really it was it was it was foresight you know i said you know what if i end up selling my company in the next three to five years i want to have this graduate degree out of my hair i want to have the credentials i want the pedigree so when i do bow out at whatever time it could be next year if if the opportunity is right and the price is right and i just want to be poised to be able to go right into teaching without having to then take the time and then, you know, uh, work on the degree, then teach. I want to almost be able to come out of the shoot and teach. Go yeah. right into it. Yeah, take exactly. a week off and then start working. Again. Take a week off and then teach. Exactly. <laughs> you deserve that week off. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, awesome. So I always I always ask some fun questions at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Paul, yeah. what would you say is your superpower? Your superpower. Oh, well, that's I I think I can answer that. I think I'm really I think I'm pretty good at reading people. I think that's my, you know, and that comes down to so many different like uh parts of life right is understanding that i i knew that this partner was the right partner to to go with understanding that you know a lot of the key players that work for me now are the right people in position to really grow the business so you know i think whether it's business or personal life be it my wife uh i just think i've always had a great eye for um understanding people and, 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 and really honing in on what was best for me, mm -hmm. you know, what people were best for me. So a good read on people would probably be my superpower. Yeah. That's a good one. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And what is your definition of a good life? Mm, that's a great question. So 
it, it you know the first thing I'll, I'll i'll again i'll preface it by saying it it, it surely doesn't mean you you need to have a lot of money to have a good life uh, because i've seen both sides of it coming from i wouldn't say poverty but you know a, a you know growing up a low income kid to now having reasonable money uh i've learned that I think some of my happiest times were when I didn't have as much money. Mm. So to answer the question more specifically, I think health, I think uh, work-life balance, mm. all, all the things I'm not sure I have right now, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, uh, great kids and a great family, uh, great wife, great relationships. Um and again, doing things that really uh, fulfill you, like we talked about earlier, you know, things that I want to do, like inspire the youth. Uh, to me, I think that that all culminates to a good life. And I think right now I have some of that in my life, thank God, but I'm working towards more of a good life, if yeah. that makes any sense. Absolutely. So really all the things that, that compose a good life for you are the things that money cannot buy. That's right. Yes. That's, that's right. I love that. It's not to say money isn't important. I, I don't, I, I don't want to ever mince words here. Money I'm not saying is, that either. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's important. It's important to be able to pay your bills, but when is enough enough? I think that's also a big question is when is enough enough? And, you know, for me, it's enough to retire comfortably, be able to pay for my, my girl's weddings, uh, you know, go on vacations, uh, have money in the bank if they need it or we need it. And, you know, obviously at some point leaving some money for them, uh, you know, um, so they don't have to struggle their entire lives. But I mean, I've seen, you know, I know some entrepreneurs that it just seems like it's never enough, you know, where, they're into the hundreds of millions and 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 even into the to want to be a billionaire. And I don't really understand that too well. Um I think that just becomes obsession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can also relate to that. Whether it's money or like a level of fitness or yeah. whatever it is, it's like, okay, you set goals and then you achieve that and you're like, okay, great. What's next? It's yeah. almost like a, like an addiction. An addiction. I get that. I get that. Yeah. But I think I, I think I'm free of that addiction because I was, I was like that for a long time with the businesses. And, and then again, I'm starting to get to that point where, you know, again, I'm slow. I'm not really slowing down because it's its own animal. You know, we're in the process of opening, Gosh, I'm going to say probably an additional 200 restaurants in the next, you know, three years, you know, uh, maybe four years, maybe five, whatever it takes. But uh, and, and it's fun and it's it is a little addictive, but I'm to the point now where I'm starting to slow myself down and say, OK, uh, you know, quality over quantity. You know, that's almost my mantra right now with the team is, you know, I, I think the stores need to run a little bit better. So my goal right now is all about, again, the developing and the growing of the stores, but also let's get back to what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always looking forward, but let's maintain what we have. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's been a big press recently uh, right now on getting back into our stores and making sure that they're really running properly. So, um, but to get back to the quantity and what's, what's enough and, you know, I just think that, uh, I don't know, I'm just getting to that point in age where, you know, I, I think I know when enough is enough. And, you know, I don't think I'm terribly far from it. That's a good place to be. I think so. Yeah. You know, it's good when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, because 15 years ago, there, there was, it was a very tiny light, you know. <laughs> yep. You took the words right out of, right out of my mouth. Yeah, light at the yeah. end of the tunnel yes yeah it's exciting and to know that what's next for you is even well not even more exciting but yeah even more exciting different it's different. A different yeah different. a different, different level or different um piece of your fulfillment of your good life exactly right satisfying that desire 
Exactly. Cool. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. Awesome. Well, I guess you're not going to zing me with any other ones. Nope. Those are my two fancy questions for you. (laughs) That's easy. easy. Unless you want to leave us with anything. No, I just think that, you know, life is short, you know, and some of us are just thumping away at life, you know, and there's, it's, I've learned, especially again, now that I've reached, you know, again, this, this, this middle age thing and, I just realized that time is really precious, you know, and if there's things you want to do, I'd get on, I'd get to doing them and I'd get on it. You know, I just think it's important because you'll have a regret if you don't. And I'm not one personally to live with a lot of regret. No, ditto, ditto. And I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah, totally. Really all of the things that you said, I think a lot of people will greatly benefit from so thank I hope you so. i hope so thank well, you it was a pleasure yes yes same here congratulations again on your i'm gonna say success <laughs> because most people will look at it and also call it that no it's um, kind thank you yes and i'm excited to see what is next for you and watch that unfold as you continue Thank you. and same same goes for you you know i just know that you're you have your own uh you know goals and and uh you're chipping away at life and it looks like you're doing well yourself so i wish you the best thank you so much paul yeah. all right guys thank you so much for listening again super excited and grateful to have had paul here with us today and bring you guys some inspiration some motivation and some golden nuggets that hopefully you take and put in your back pocket move forward with them take that step forward feel the fear do it anyway do it yes for sure so until what's that why can't you do it right yes why can't you (laughs) so until next time this is the stage of greatness see you all next show. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs)